Volume 1, Chapter 7 of Travels in the Interior of Africa by Mungo Park. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Interview with King Demba Sego Jala About eight o'clock in the morning of January the 15th, 1796, we went to an audience of the King Dembo Sego Jala, but the crowd of people to see me was so great that I could scarcely get admittance. A passage being at length obtained, I made my bow to the monarch, whom we found sitting upon a mat in a large hut. He appeared to be a man of about sixty years of age. His success in war and the mildness of his behavior in time of peace had much endeared him to all his subjects. He studied me with great attention, and when Salim Dakari explained to him the object of my journey and my reasons for passing through his country, the good old king appeared not only perfectly satisfied, but promised me every assistance in his power. He informed me that he had seen Major Hooten and presented him with a white horse, but that after crossing the kingdom of Carta, he had lost his life among the Moors, in what manner he could not inform me. When this audience was ended, we returned to our lodging, and they meet up a small present for the king, out of the few effects that were left me, for I had not yet received anything from Salem Dukari. The present though inconsiderable in itself, was well received by the king, who sent me in return a large white bullock. The sight of the animal quite delighted my attendants, not so much on account of its bulk, but from it being of white color, which is considered as a particular mark of favor. But although the king himself was well disposed towards me, and readily granted me permission to pass through his territories, I soon discovered that very great and unexpected obstacles were likely to impede my progress. Besides the war which was on the point of breaking out between Kassan and Kajja, I was told that the next kingdom of Karta, through which my route lay, was involved in the issue, and was furthermore threatened with hostilities on the part of Bambara. The king himself informed me of these circumstances, and advised me to stay in the neighborhood of Kunikari till such time as he could procure proper information respecting Bambara, which he expected to do in the course of four or five days, as he had already, he said, sent four messengers into Karta for that purpose. I readily submitted to his, this proposal, and went to Solu to stay there till the return of one of those messengers. This afforded me a favorable opportunity of receiving what money Salim Dukari could spare me on Dr. Laidley's account. I succeeded in receiving the value of the slaves, chiefly in gold dust, and being anxious to proceed as quickly as possible, I begged Dakari to use his interest with the king to allow me a guide by the way of Fuladu, 
as i was informed that the war had already commenced between the kings of bambara and karta dukari accordingly set out for kukinkari on the morning of the twentieth and the same evening returned with the king's answer which was to this purpose that the king had many years ago made an agreement with daisy king of karta to send all merchants and travellers through his dominions but that if i wished to take that route through fuladu i had his permission so to do though he could not consistently with his agreement lend me a guide having felt the want of regal protection in a former part of my journey i was unwilling to hazard a repetition of the hardships i had then experienced especially as the money i had received was probably the last supply that i should obtain i therefore determined to wait for the return of the messengers from carta in the interim it began to be whispered abroad that i had received plenty of gold from salim dukari and on the morning of the twenty-third sambo sago paid me a visit with a party of horsemen he insisted upon knowing the exact amount of the money i had obtained declaring that whatever the sum was one half of it must go to the king besides which he intimidated that he expected a handsome present for himself as being the king's son and for his attendants as being the king's relations i prepared to submit and if salim dakari had not interposed all my endeavours to mitigate this oppressive claim would have been to no avail salim at last prevailed upon sambo to accept sixteen bars of european merchandise and some powder and a ball as a complete payment of every demand that could be made upon me in the kingdom of Kassong. january twenty sixth in the forenoon i went to the top of a high hill to the southward of solu where i had the most enchanting prospect of the country the number of towns and villages and the extensive cultivation around them surpassed everything i had yet seen in africa a gross calculation may be formed of the number of inhabitants in this delightful plain by considering that the king of Kassan can raise four thousand fighting men by the sound of his war drum in traversing the rocky eminences of this hill which are almost destitute of vegetation i observed a number of large holes in the crevasses and fissures of the rocks where the wolves and hyenas take refuge during the day february first the messengers arrived from carta and brought intelligence that the war had not yet commenced between bambara and carta and i might probably pass through carta before the bambara army invaded that country february third early in the morning two guides on horseback came from kukinteri to conduct me to the frontiers of carta i accordingly took leave of salim dukari and parted for the last time from my fellow traveller the blacksmith whose kind solicitude for my welfare had been so conspicuous 
and about ten o'clock departed from Solu. We traveled this day through a rocky and hilly country, along the banks of the river Creco, and at sunset came to the village of Somu, where we slept. February 4th, we departed from Somu and continued our route along the banks of the Creco, which are everywhere well cultivated and swarm with inhabitants. At this time they were increased by the number of people that had flown thither from Carta on account of the Bambara War. In the afternoon we reached Kimbo, a large village, the residence of Madi Konko, governor of the hilly country of Kassan, which is called Soroma. From hence the guides appointed by the king of Kassan returned to join in the expedition against Kajaja, and I waited until the sixth before I could prevail on Madi Konko to appoint me a guide to Karta. February 7th. Departing Kimbo with Madi Konko's son as a guide, we continued our course along the banks of the Kriko until the afternoon when we arrived at Kanji, a considerable town. The Kriko is here but a small rivulet. The beautiful stream takes the rise a little to the eastward of this town and descends with a rapid and noisy current until it reaches the bottom of the high hill called Tapa, where it becomes more placid and winds gently through the lovely plains of Kunikari, after which, having received an additional branch from the north, it is lost in the Senegal, somewhere near the falls of Fellow. February 8th this day we travelled over a rough stony country, and having passed Sipo and a number of other villages, arrived in the afternoon at Lac Arago, a small village which stands upon the ridge of hills that separates the kingdoms of Kassan and Carta. In the course of the day we passed many hundreds of people flying from Carta with their families and effects. February ninth. Early in the morning we departed from Lac Argo, and a little to the eastward came to the brow of a hill, from whence we had an extensive view of the country. Towards the southeast were perceived some very distant hills, which our guide told us were the mountains of Fuladu. We travelled with great difficulty down a stony and abrupt precipice, and continued our way in the bed of a dry river course, where the trees meeting overhead made the place dark and cool. In a little time we reached the bottom of this romantic glen, and about ten o'clock emerged from between two rocky hills, and found ourselves on the level and sandy plains of Carta. At noon we arrived at Cori, or a watering place, where, for a few strings of beads, I purchased as much milk and cornmeal as we could eat. Indeed, provisions here so cheap and the shepherds live in such affluence that they seldom ask any return for what refreshments a traveler receives from them from miss corrie we reached fessura at sunset where we took up our lodging for the night february tenth we continued at fessura all this day to have a few clothes washed 
and learn more exactly the situation of affairs before we ventured towards the capital. February 11th. Our landlord, taking advantage of the unsettled state of the country, demanded so extravagant a sum for our lodging that, suspecting he wished for an opportunity to quarrel with us, I refused to submit to his exorbitant demand, but my attendants were so much frightened at the reports of approaching war that they refused to proceed any farther unless I could settle matters with him and induce him to accompany us to Camus for our protection on the road. This I accomplished with some difficulty, and by a present of a blanket which I had brought with me to sleep in, and for which our landlord had conceived a very great liking, matters were at length amiably adjusted, and he mounted his horse and led the way. He was one of those negroes who, together with the ceremonial part of the Mohammedan religion, retained all their ancient superstitions, and even drink strong liqueurs. They are called johars, or jowers, and in this kingdom form a very numerous and powerful tribe. We had no sooner got into a dark, need lonely part of the first wood than he made a sign for us to stop, and taking hold of a hollow piece of bamboo that hung as an amulet round his neck, whistled very loud three times. I confess I was somewhat startled, thinking it was a signal for some of his companions to come and attack us, but he assured me that it was done merely with a view to ascertain what success we were likely to meet with on our present journey. He then dismounted, laid his spear across the road, and having said a number of short prayers, concluded with three loud whistles, after which he listened for some time, as if in expectation of an answer, and received none, told us we might proceed without fear, for there was no danger. About noon we passed a number of large villages, quite deserted, the inhabitants having fled into Casson to avoid the horrors of war. We reached Karankala at sunset. This formerly was a large town, but having been plundered by the barbarians about four years ago, nearly one half of it is still in ruins. February 12th. At daylight we departed Karankala, and as it was but a short day's journey to Kemu, we traveled slower than usual and amused ourselves by collecting such eatable fruits as grew near the roadside. About noon we saw at a distance the capital of Karta, situated in the middle of an open plain, the country for two miles round being cleared of wood by the great consumption of that article for building and fuel, and we entered the town about two o'clock in the afternoon. We proceeded without stopping to the court before the king's residence, but I was so completely surrounded by the gazing multitude that I did not attempt to dismount, but sent in the landlord and Maddie Conkey's son to acquaint the king of my arrival. In a little time they returned, accompanied by a messenger from the king, signifying that he would like to see me in the evening, 
and in the meantime the messenger had orders to procure me a lodging and see that the crowd did not molest me he conducted me into a court at the door of which he stationed a man with a stick in his hand to keep off the mob and then showed me a large hut in which i was to lodge i had scarcely seated myself in this spacious apartment when the mob entered it was found impossible to keep them out and i was surrounded by as many as the hut could contain when the first party however had seen me and asked a few questions they retired to make room for another company and in this manner the hut was filled and emptied thirteen different times a little before sunset the king sent to inform me that he was at leisure and wished to see me i followed the messenger through a number of courts surrounded with high walls where i observed plenty of dry grass bundled up like hay to fodder the horses in case the town should be infested on entering the court in which the king was sitting i was astonished at the number of his attendants and at the good order that seemed to prevail among them they were all seated the fighting men on the king's right and the women and children on the left leaving a space between them for my passage the king whose name was daisy Korabari, was not to be distinguished from his subjects by any superiority in point of dress a bank of earth about two feet high upon which was spread a leopard skin constituted the only mark of royal dignity when i had seated myself upon the ground before him and related the various circumstances that induced me to pass through his country and my reasons for soliciting his protections he appeared perfectly satisfied but said it was not in his power at present to afford me much assistance for that all sort of communication between carta and bambara had been interrupted for some time past and as masong the king of bambara with his army had entered fuladu in his way to carta there was little hope of my reaching bambara by any of the usual routes inasmuch as coming from an enemy's country i should certainly be plundered or taken for a spy if his country had been at peace he said i might have remained with him until a more favorable opportunity offered but as matters stood at present he did not wish me to continue in carta for fear some accident should befall me in which case my countrymen might say that he had murdered a white man he would therefore advise me to return into casson and remain there until the war should terminate which would probably happen in the course of three or four months after which if he was alive he said he would be glad to see me and if he was dead his sons would take care of me this advice was certainly well meant on the part of the king and perhaps i was to blame for not following it but i reflected that the hot months were approaching and i dreaded the thought of spending the rainy season in the interior of africa 
these considerations and the aversion i felt at the idea of returning without having made a greater progress in discovery made sue determined to go forward and though the king could not give me a guide to bambara i begged that he would allow a man to accompany me as near the frontier of his kingdom as was consistent with safety finding that i was determined to proceed the king told me that one route still remained but that he said was by no means free from danger which was to go from Carta into the Moorish kingdom of Ludamar, from whence I might pass by a circuitous route into Pambara. If I wished to follow this route, he would appoint people to conduct me to Jara, the frontier town of Ludamar. He then inquired very particularly how I had been treated since I had left the Gambia, and asked in a jocular way how many slaves i expected to carry home with me on my return he was about to proceed when a man mounted on a fine moorish horse which was covered with sweat and foam entered the court and signifying that he had something of importance to communicate the king immediately took up his sandals which is the signal to strangers to retire i accordingly took leave but desired my boy to stay about the place in order to learn something of the intelligence that this messenger had brought in about an hour the boy returned and informed me that the bambara army had left fulalu and was on its march towards carta and the man i had seen who had brought this intelligence was one of the scouts or watchmen employed by the king each of whom has his particular station commonly on the same rising ground from whence he has the best view of the country and watches the motions of the enemy february thirteenth at daylight i sent my horse pistols and holsters as a present to the king and being very desirous to get away from a place which was likely soon to become the seat of war I begged the messenger to inform the king that I wished to depart from Camus as soon as he should find it convenient to appoint me a guide. In about an hour the king sent his messenger to thank me for the present, and eight horsemen to conduct me to Jara. They told me that the king wished me to proceed to Jara with all possible expedition, that they might return before anything decisive should happen between the armies of Bambara need Carta. We accordingly departed forthwith from Camus, accompanied by three of Daisy's sons and about two hundred horsemen, who kindly undertook to see me a little way on my journey. End of Volume 1, Chapter 7 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.